so thank you so much for being on this podcast. Really excited to have you here, Brooke. Uh, the first thing I actually usually ask everyone first is like, what's the, can you give a short introduction about yourself, backgrounds, interests, and hobbies? Yeah, I'm Brooke McKean. Um, I am the president of Chicago Scholars and co-CEO of Reach Pathways. And I um, spent my whole career uh, up until now in kind of nonprofit space, uh, international organizations and uh, Chicago-based organizations. And um, my hobbies, I'm a mom of a six-year-old, so I spend a lot of time doing crafts and family fun activities. I, um, I'm a photographer. I love nature. I have a big garden in our backyard. Uh, so love to balance uh, family life and work life. That actually leads to the question I ask all of my guests usually, which is like, if you had all the time in the world, what would you be doing? It kind of sounds like you have interest in a lot of things. You also want to spend time with family, but I'm curious about your answer on this one. I, I mean, if I had all the time in the world, I would do uh, ev probably all the things I do now, but more. Um, if, if time allowed, I, I have always more work I need to do. I'd love to spend more time with family. I think probably the two things in my life I neglect the most are my photography and seeing friends outside of my immediate family. Um, so, and I love traveling. Um, so I would do that a whole lot more too. Cool, and what kind of photography do you do? Um, I started kind of doing more photo, photo journalism. At one point I thought I would do that with my life, but I ended up, uh, now I do a lot of landscape, nature, mm. um, and port some portraits. Mm -hmm. That's great. So one thing that I want to note, I'm not so sure it was showing in the video right now at this, as I'm speaking, but like you're wearing a Reach Pathways jersey slash jacket. Tell me about that. Like you're a co-CEO and you're also president of the Chicago Scholars. Yeah, so um, Reach Pathways is actually a unique story, although not as unique as I think people realize. I think a good comparison is the open AI model um, to what we're doing. Uh, which is we have a nonprofit Chicago Scholars been around for over 25 years. I've had the opportunity to be the pres president of the organization since 2018 uh, and chief operating officer. And I, I spent a lot of time with infrastructure development for the organization and Chicago Scholars has served nearly 6,000 students get to and through college and into career at rates two to three times the national average. And yet in Chicago alone, we only serve one out of eight eligible students who could be a part of our program. What we know is that um, young people and, and opportunities are not being found and not being met and that people's zip codes are still the greatest determinant of their life outcomes. And so REACH is uh, something that has spun out of Chicago Scholars. REACH Pathways is a separate entity uh, that we created to take all of that Chicago Scholars expertise and curriculum and put it into a technology platform, meeting students where they are in a virtual world environment uh, and thinking about a video game for college and career where students can earn rewards and get all of the advice that they need to know to get to college, through college and into career. Um, so it's a way to scale, serve more students and be able to uh, allow them to access what they need at their fingertips. Uh, and so most recently, uh, since we launched Reach Pathways last year, I've had the co-CEO hat where I've been able to think about strategy and business strategy and, and leverage the learning from Chicago Scholars and how can we do that to launch uh, a new entity. That's so cool. So are you born and raised in Chicago? Like what really inspired you to kind of get into this area? I'm not. I was born and raised actually like in a small town uh, on the mountains in the woods far away from 
really much of anything besides trees and nature, uh, which was an amazing experience until I was about 14 and had no car and no way and no sidewalk and, you know, a many mile hike to anything. Um, I, um, so my, my life and career has had, had an interesting twist and turns and journey. Um, first undergrad in Seattle, I did my master's in London, um, and then the economy crash because timing's great like that in life. And uh, but I found an, an opportunity um, 2009 uh, in Senegal and West Africa teaching study abroad programs. Kind of that's where a lot of the education work I first started to do, supporting um, students there. And then the Haiti earthquake hit in 2011. And I promise this is getting to how I got to Chicago. Uh, we uh, and I did. Uh, work in Haiti, supporting programming, finance, opera, like basically whatever needed to get done uh, to get done to support child protection and youth serving programming there. And that is what brought me to Chicago is the organization that I worked with in Haiti um, brought me to Chicago uh, headquarters there. Uh, and so I spent about seven years in the international nonprofit space uh, before finding Chicago Scholars. And that was about I think that the, the social justice issues that you see internationally are much the same as in the US, but no one wants to talk about it that way. And so I wanted to do work in Chicago and begin my home. Um, just a couple of weeks after moving to the city, I met the person who's now my husband, inherited 50 Polish in-laws and have a child. So I, I grew very strong Chicago roots and uh, wanted to be a part of supporting this community. That's great. And something that I thought was interesting is that you don't have a technical background, but you decide to do Reach Pathways. Is the other co-CEO like a technical founder? Like, how did you even decide to go into the tech space with this? Yeah, I feel like my whole career has been sink or swim situations where I knew nothing and then ended up managing it all. <laughs> um, I... Uh, but my co-founder is a technical founder. Uh, he started his own um, startup and a website creation company. I've uh, done a lot work in coding and computer engineering. Uh, he also has a background in sales. Um, so I bring to that the project management. There's a lot of overlap in program and project design and product uh, in terms of listening to your users. It's the same thing as listening to your participants and designing a thing that's gonna meet their needs. So there's a lot of um, overlap in the work that I'm doing. The operations of a startup is not any different than the operations of any other organization. So my role has been supporting him uh, and his technical expertise. We're also working with a technical partner uh, named Stemuli Studios uh, that is helping us with the product build components. That's cool. So you're you're both involved in, or no, it's just you that's involved in Chicago Scholars, correct? And he's just the only one that's in Reach Pathways. Uh, so my co-founder, he's also uh, part of Chicago Scholars. Okay. Well. Yep. Um, we have another uh, team members, a part of our founding team who is uh, also fully dedicated to the work of REACH that we have so much mm -hmm. support on that product strategy side of things. So how do you split your energy and time between the two? Or are they really like come together just somehow they're separate because of the product that they have? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a clear overlap in values and mission between the two entities. Uh, it's all about how do we um, serve more students and change the face of leadership uh, in the city and in the country more broadly. So that uh, aligns really well and, and reach as a tool that will support Chicago scholars in better serving students uh, and serving more students. So um, it is very much mission in line. I think in terms of the day-to-day, -day, it can be real crazy. <laughs> I won't lie. I mean, I think 
because I come from a nonprofit background, I'm used to having five different jobs and many different hats. Uh, and that's really resonated with the startup space. I spent a lot of years in supporting humanitarian crises, which is particularly just do what needs to be done. It doesn't matter whose role or what, you just like, you gotta serve the people. Um, so that uh, has come in handy with this role of thinking about what do both entities need, how do they support each other and, and what's different about them. That's cool. And is uh, Reach Pathways a, a, a nonprofit? No, Reach Pathways is mm. an LLC. So it's okay. a for-profit entity, yep. Interesting. So I feel like this is where I've actually asked someone on my podcast before about this is that if you're having a very uh, like unique mission, but at the same time, you're also trying to focus on for profit so you can grow the company. Like, how do you balance the two before you start to like, go like, oh, maybe I'll give up some of my values to get money, but vice versa, you need that money to do more. Like, where's that balance for you? Yeah, I think that that competing accountabilities of the people that served and the mission and the, and the people who write the check has been my whole career. And it's actually a lot of what I studied in my master's program is, is that uh, sometimes conflicting priorities. I, I, and then you add in the layer of a, of a for-profit entity into that and it adds to it. I mean, I think the social enterprise models, the L3C public benefit corp, B corp are a really great example of the intersection of purpose and profit. And I, because we think about the future consumer and the, the next generation of people who will be buying products, I think they're going to expect something different from their companies. Uh, so I don't, I think there's an opportunity to us being mission focused as well as profit focused for Reach Pathways to really set us up for ser better serving the next generation um, and, you know, compromising values even in for-profit entities often has consequences <laughs> and so uh, we've seen lots and lots of examples of that yeah and also tell us like how this virtual world is helping people like uh, that can benefit from this yeah so really we spent many years and hundreds of hours interviewing students and our partners and colleges and companies to try to understand what their needs were and how they were being met and what we heard over and over again from our students is that they're, they're mostly high-performing under-resourced students. So first in their family to go to college from low-income backgrounds and under-resourced communities um, and mostly predominantly students of color. And what they told us was that they have all these obligations. They have to go to school. They're in really rigorous academic courses. They have family responsibilities. They have extracurriculars. Sometimes they're working part-time jobs. And then on top of that, they have to apply to college and scholarships and do all these extra, think about career and all these extra things. And so what we knew is that a learning management system wasn't gonna be able to meet their needs. Uh, we had to be something that's fun and engaging. And through our research, 87% of Gen Z plays video games, uh, identifies as gamers. That's a part of and having a six-year-old daughter, like Minecraft is like everything. <laughs> and so how can we create a format that resonates, um, that allows students to get rewards and points and like the real game of life uh, interaction. What exactly does a student experience while they're in that world? Like, or is it like truly a game with checkpoints that have educational benefit? Yeah, so we're um, building out the backbone of the content is Chicago Scholars Park of uh, optimal scholar success. And that's just all the things we know from the research and our experience, the students must do at certain times. And so we're taking that and we're making it badges based, rewards based. We know that core leadership skills and competencies are the future of work. Uh, and so we're 
helping students build those skills in a way that's fun and interactive. Uh, so it's grounded in academics, but the interaction is you have an avatar and you get to meet people who look like you who've done the job that you've done before. And you're sent on quests, uh, both in real life, like go to a professor's office hours, because that's a really important part of college success, uh, as well as interacting in um, play within the environment. That's cool. And what exactly is the monetization strategy for Reach Pathways? Because like you kind of need money to be able to power all of this and vice versa. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, there's not really a for-profit element if you're not bringing in revenue. Um, so we were we thought about this a lot and we were fortunate to have some pro bono consultants come in early on to help us identify where is the revenue opportunity, what's the market, what's our total addressable market, um, the pricing strategy. And what we came up with is the primary source of revenue is connecting companies to top performing diverse talent who've been prepared for the job. So we take our all of our leadership competency, expertise and support and we match that to the job that companies say that they need for early entry hires and for interns. Um, and so there's a subscription model for companies to come onto the platform to be able to access talent, uh, as well as colleges who also are looking for candidates from high school to come to their campuses uh, and go to their schools, as well as many colleges, despite a lot of investment and in researchers struggling with supporting first generation students, eligible students on their campuses with persistence and career support. So a few different pricing models and opportunities there, as well as you know, nonprofits who want to support and provide access to this curriculum to their students. Um, many times over the years, Chicago Scholars has been asked to duplicate the model or to provide it to other organizations. We've never really been able to do that. But with REACH, we can say, here, this is the place where you can access this for students. That's actually really cool. So to the student, it's completely free, but it's really on like those colleges and employers that would pay for this. But it's also helping them, too, because you're sourcing employees or students that would be their ideal candidate? It's similar to kind of the handshake business model, uh, but a little bit more curated and, and focused on kind of quality over quantity. Handshake, you get millions and millions of candidates and potential people. We're, we're really focused on providing that ideal match uh, for mm -hmm. the company and for the student. This reminds me of like something I studied in school. It's like buy side and sell side. So in this case, like you need to have demand on both sides. I mean, I guess for the students, maybe if it's just fun, it's good enough for them to be on it. But I'm pretty sure like you also advertise like, look, all these employers and all these schools are looking. So how did you balance that demand and supply? Yeah, it really is a kind of double-sided marketplace. Um, and there's, I've, I've looked at a lot of different really interesting models on this. Um, to see how to invest because the users, you need the users for people to pay, but the users aren't paying. Um, so how, how do you prioritize? And I, we've really focused the product design on what the students want and need because we have engaged students, then there will be interest in paying from companies and colleges. So that's been the kind of first focus for us is what, how do we meet student needs? Um, because you bring on a lot of users and then there's opportunity. Um, and but we've at the same time also been really working closely and in interviewing colleges and companies to understand what their needs are and find that intersection uh, where because students are coming because they want jobs and money like ultimately the belonging and the pathways and all of that is a bonus but the reason most students come is because they need money right now in one way shape or form and so it's really about that matching that's the key that's great and one thing I was kind of curious about is like when it comes to moving on to the next step, like let's say they get the job or they get the like application into college, then get into it. Like what is the next step for that student? Could they actually still stay on or? Um... 
So we're really thinking about building this culture of reciprocity. And I think there's a lot of really neat examples of that in tech now. Um, and um, the opportunity for the student to share and give advice to that student a couple of years behind them, or the person who just got their first job can be mentoring and giving advice to the next generation. So really building and thinking about like reaching up to your goals, but also reaching back to the community and the next generation. So um, we really want the users who come on to stay on and be able to contribute in, in whatever ways that, that is best for them. That's great. Do you have like a case study or a like one person that is a success story that got from all the way from point A to point B with this? So within Chicago Scholars, many examples. Uh, within REACH, it's still pretty early. As you think about our curriculum, it ranges over seven years. So, so within REACH, the company started last year. So we don't have that example. Um, but within Chicago Scholars, um, we have um, scholars and alumni who've been through the program who are now executives at um, high-level Fortune 500 companies um, who have incredible stories to tell and, and board members of Chicago Scholars, our alumni of the program um, doing incredible work. So we have lots of stories and examples to share. Within REACH, we have a group of student advisors uh, who we meet with, we pay them and we meet with them multiple times a week and we have for a year now. Um, and they are part of this journey from very beginning and through and have uh, just incredible stories. We have one um, student who just got a summer internship at Microsoft this year from product, being able to connect and being a part of building this platform. That's great. And one of the things I was wondering about is like, what are future offerings that you might be doing? I know you're just like one year in, but are there ideas of what you might do beyond this? So my dream really would be right now we're focused on high performing under-resourced students, but that any student could get a pathway and support and that all of the pathways are available within reach as well as our focus is starting kind of senior year of high school through college. But I'd love to see that start with middle school and because career escalation, the earlier it is, the better opportunity students have. So I would love like a whole ecosystem that starts students thinking about jobs in, in middle school and a, a career exploration that allows them to then get through high school, get to their first college opportunity. Um, or maybe if, if college isn't the pathway for some students, it provides those other pathways to vocational and other opportunities. But we're starting first with that track of high school to college to career. That's great. And so speaking of pathways, what's going to be your pathway? Do you feel like you're going to be doing this for full time for a long period of time? Do you feel like if you feel a little bit more towards reach pathways or Chicago scholars or both or even something completely different? Yeah, I, I'm super passionate about social enterprise. I think that I have loved the nonprofit work uh, that I've done. Um, and I, there's a need for nonprofits in this world for so many different reasons, but I think I'm really fascinated by scale and how do, um, how do missions scale? How do enterprises scale? And I think that there's a huge opportunity as we look at changing trends in, in the world, like the, the lines are getting more and more blurry between nonprofit, for-profit and everything in between. And so I'm really excited to, to be a part of the space of a social enterprise that would allow us to continue to scale each ship. What do you think it's the future of social enterprise? I think that more and more companies are going to be social enterprises. I mean, I think it'll take time. Um, but I, as I said before, like the, the consumer is changing in this country, the dynamic demographics of this country are changing. Um, 
dramatically. And I think people are demanding different things from companies. So I could see in 10 years from now that the Fortune 500 list looks very different than it does today and have a lot more mission-focused enterprises on that list. Yeah, I think honestly, I do see that trend too, not just with like the big ones out there, but more and more people are more mission focused. They're like, uh, I don't like to say this phrase, but like eat the rich kind of people. So they're trying to always try to push some kind of agenda, but in a good way, not a bad way. <laughs> so another question I have is like, right now you're in this nonprofit and you're also in a tech startup, but also in the future, do you see yourself more in the tech area or do you see yourself more focused on the nonprofit area? I know you mentioned that you're in like the project management area, but it's still technically in tech. So how do you see yourself grow as a woman in tech? Technically you're in tech. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, thinking Right now, my my whole brain is Chicago Scholars and Reach, but like mm -hmm. let's, that aside, just like my future and my career trajectory, I, I'm really interested in continuing to work in tech at an intersection. But I, I think I want to work at a place that cares about mission and people. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, I think for many people, the priority. Uh, so I, I can see myself long-term working in tech in a kind of socially minded uh, space. And what advice do you have for any people that are interested in joining a nonprofit or a startup that's very similar to yours? Um, for those interested in the nonprofit space, um, don't start another nonprofit. We don't need more of them. Um, find one that aligns to your mission uh, and be a, and try to be a part of that. Uh, I, I think for those in um, kind of aspiring to the space of social enterprise or, or even tech. I think um, technical skills matter and, and I definitely have seen the challenges of not having that in tech. At the same time, with the advent of AI, technical skills, the, the day-to-day -day of, of, of to what technical means is gonna change really dramatically. And I think that people who really lean into learning uh, those we like to use the term durable skills instead of soft skills uh, are going to be most successful in what the future of work looks like. That's great. So if you had, let's say, a student come up to you right now that is like they just graduated from college, what advice would you give to them now that they're new into the world of employment? <laughs> um, I mean, first, I'd want to understand what their what their goals are, what they hope to achieve, what brings them joy. I think knowing yourself is the first key to knowing what your job should be. Um, I think understanding our strengths and our passions and finding the right match to our job opportunity. I mean, that's what REACH is about. It's about helping students understand their strengths and how it matches to the world of work um, and what the future of work will look like. Uh, so it's it really is taking technology and turning it into a personalized pathway. That's how I approach it. I coach a lot of uh, folks in the nonprofit space or in other sectors of um, primarily, you know, young women who are trying to figure out what's next. And I, it always starts with like, who are you and what do you want? And then the advice is easy from there. Okay. And for anyone that's interested in Reach Pathways, like as a user of the the application itself, like what is exactly the process? Do you have to be a, do you have to prove yourself that you're a high performing under resourced person? So we do uh, kind of, right now we're bringing on users through our partners. Uh, so mm -hmm. through colleges, through nonprofits, 
um, who do that degree of vetting, um, and then we'll bring them onto the platform as we think about um, expanding beyond that. We, there will be questions to confirm initially to just understand where the students at so that we're the best fit for them. Our advice right now, mm -hmm. what we have on the platform isn't the best for just anyone. Um, and we, we also know is that the high-performing students typically, everyone's like, oh, they'll be fine. Um, but the reality is that there's a lot of obstacles along the way. And so yep. we're providing that. Yeah, and are you only focused in the Chicago area at this time? Uh, no, we were working with college partners all over the country um, and supporting students across the country. Certainly our, our network is based in Chicago, but mm -hmm. our goal is to support students across the country. Yeah, and what's your short-term goal for Reach Pathways or for Chicago Scholars? So I guess short-term being like three months. Um, well, right now we're in a number of kind of exciting programs with uh, National Science Foundation Vital Prize. Uh, as well as um, the tools competition coming up. So my goal is to, to ensure the success of those opportunities over the next couple of months um, and really continue to set uh, reach pathways up for continued scale. Uh, I mm -hmm. think for Chicago scholars, uh, it's an interesting time in the nonprofit world. Uh, I think business models are really being questioned. There's an interesting article in Chronicle of Philanthropy recently about the, the challenges in the nonprofit space. So I think Chicago Scholars is a really unique moment to, to think about what the next phase of strategy looks like. Mm -hmm. And what exactly is the long-term uh, strategy of either of them? So the long-term strategy of REACH is all about um, basically changing what income looks like and opportunity looks mm -hmm. like for young people across the country. Um, our goal is a, a future where any uh, young person who wants to access college and job opportunities has everything that they need at their fingertips to achieve their goals. And with that, uh, a competitive salary in the job that they want to make. It, I think at the end of the day, it's about the racial wealth gap and the, mm -hmm. the rural urban gaps in this country and being able to create equal access to opportunity. Yeah. And on the flip side, since we have a lot of audience members that are technical are you open to internships? Because I know right now at the time of recording, it's like May or so, I think people are graduating or even considering internships at this time. Yes, uh, and we are all about promoting paid internships uh, because that's really key for particularly under-resourced students to be able to access mm -hmm. opportunity. So um, yes, we are open to internships and we are also open to helping organ uh, students find internships with mm -hmm. our, our companies and partners. So. And I think you mentioned this before, but have you sourced interns for Reach Pathways through the, the app itself? So yes, through through the app and through Chicago Scholars, we have sourced mm -hmm. interns so far, yep. That's cool. So do you have any specific stories or examples of how women right now can start taking the lead or control of their careers? It seems like you have your hands full with two organizations, as well as a lot of things that you're doing on your personal life. Like, how would you recommend women to do all that? <laughs> I, I mean, I think one is everyone is different. Like, I, mm -hmm. I so appreciate the the generations of women before me who made it okay for me to lead and be a mom and um and have opportunity and be uh, have c-level titles uh, and, and opportunities i um i think um 
one is when people I have had, you know, women come to me like, well, I want to do all the things that you do. And I was like, well, is that really what you want? Or is mm. that what you think you want? Like, let's really try to understand you and your journey. Like, I am very, very lucky to be married to a saint who like, I don't do the laundry and I don't do, <laughs> there's like elements of my life that I, I don't, I've been lucky to not have to manage so that I can manage work and, and my family life. Um, mm-hmm. But I think uh, for other people that looks differently. Um, I, I don't know, I'm losing my train of thought here, but I, I think um, the best strategy for, I think, people to succeed and achieve their goals is to to know what brings you joy um, mm-hmm. and lean into that because then it doesn't feel like because it's an opportunity to yep. create and build and live into your passions. I'm trying to just do something for the title or the prestige or because somebody says that's what you're supposed to do and it is a formula to be miserable. Mm. So it sounds like you're trying to be saying, you're saying be an advocate for what you truly want, not what other people want. Uh, but of course, like, really try to be intentional with everything you're doing as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know I have um, amazing women in my life who are who work part-time or who are full-time moms. And I, I think just bless them because <laughs> I could never do that. Um, and I, you know, I think so much of the work of like the, the feminist movement has been that we can be who we want to be and that has equal value. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, on the flip side, I often feel like, because I'm not a mom in the way that society says I should be a mom, I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and have really had to like struggle with that in my life. And I, I think that, um, yeah, being true to ourselves, like as a leader, even like as someone who's been president and CEO and co-CEO, like all of these titles, I'm still an introvert. And I'm like mm-hmm. a real, real introvert, like on the extreme spectrum, I'm a like highly sensitive introvert empath. Um, and so I can't lead the way my co-CEO leads who he's, mm. he's, part, like, he's just an incredible speaker and just a visionary and, and, but that's what makes us stronger as a team. And that's what makes us really good at what we are is that we bring complementary skills and strengths. So just like leaning into knowing who you are and what drives you um, and what, what makes you want to come to work every day and finding the jobs that allow you to do that is, is how to, to really lead to success. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, have you faced any hardships or obstacles to get to where you are today? Yes and no. Um, I certainly, I think because, so I became a COO at 25 uh, mm-hmm. and I look young for how, for my age in general. And so, and always have. And, and so I got a lot of the combination, the intersection of female and young mm. came up all over and over and over again in my career. I have often except for most recently in tech, worked in a lot of female-dominated industries. So being a woman in and of itself, but the combination of not having the experience, even from older women who then yeah. treated me like a child, uh, as well as um, men who would look to the man in the room instead of me, even though I'm the one making the choice about the vendor. And uh, so I have a lot of a lot of little examples over the years, for sure, of of people doubting me um, and particularly in tech now where I'm most often the only woman in the room. Uh, and there's been a plenty of moment of being mansplained to or doubted, particularly coming from a nonprofit background. And I think, you know, our work, our work shows what we, who, what we are. I've spent my whole career creating and building and nothing's going to stop me from doing that now. Mm. 
do you have any tips on how to deal with microaggressions like that? Or even if you have been able to bring it up to people before or confront them? I have approached it in like every possible way from like times where I regret just being very defensive and pissed in the moment too. <laughs> uh, two times where I have confronted individuals afterwards and said, you know, this mm. is the impact of, of what you said. I don't think that's what you meant, but like that was the impact. And I, I think we all should lean into to those conversations. Um, it, it's really been case by case how I've approached it. Um, and sometimes it's just like, I don't, I don't even gonna let like, you were you and I and I just I'm not gonna let that invade my energy and my space mm. and my confidence and um and or even put in the energy to try to change you um so it, mm. it really depends on who it is in the moment for those people I have a relationship with I do try to to lean into having those conversations and giving that feedback uh, because most people aren't trying to commit microaggressions um uh but I, I yeah it depends Oh, what's on the horizon for you, uh, for you personally, or for Chicago Scholars or Reach Pathways? Um, I think the on the horizon uh, is is thinking about scale. How do mm -hmm. we serve more students? Uh, at a Even time? more scale than before. Yes, like, mm -hmm. uh, like rapid scale. How do we serve more students at a time when there has been um, so much learning loss due to the pandemic uh, and so much need for opportunity and access to opportunity and um, and in a moment where there's a massive labor market shortage, there's also from a revenue standpoint, a huge opportunity. So this is about how do we how do we scale and best serve our students? You actually bring up a good point that like you've lost, or not you personally, but people have lost learnings throughout the pandemic because of like, I'm assuming it's mostly from going from in person to virtual, but with reach pathways being virtual, like, is there going to be any physical aspect to it? Like maybe any in-person meetups to discuss any learnings or workshops? Like what exactly would that help with? So our focus for REACH is virtual, um, but, mm -hmm. but we want to create connections that could lead to in-person opportunities, whether that's jobs mm -hmm. or internships or mentorships and partnering with nonprofits who do have that in-person relationship with students okay. uh, to be able to complement their programming. Um, but what really we found with students is that they're engaging at like, 10 o'clock on a Friday night or like two o'clock in the morning, time when like educators aren't going to be there in person with them, <laughs> nor should they be. Um, and so the, the advantage of digital is that students can access what they need when they need it 24 Yeah, that's great. So where can we find you on social media or if not just you, but like Reach Pathways or even Chicago Scholars? Um, I am mostly on LinkedIn. I occasionally post random things on Instagram, but it's, I'm not the best with social media other than LinkedIn. Um, but Reach is on all the main platforms at, at Reach Pathways. Um, find us there. Uh, no one, no one has our handle, so we're easy to find. <laughs> That's great. And what, lastly, what can we do to support you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think just take a look up reach when you get a chance. Um, we're still early, so it's not any person can join, but you know, keep that as a resource in mind for pathways and opportunity. We are focusing on tech pathways as one of our main areas of support as we build outreach. Um, and just thanks for, thanks for the support and shout outs. Yeah, and I'm actually on reachpathways.com right now. So I see that there's like a part where you can put your email address and join the community. 
Uh, is that like what you would recommend people to do? Or even like I see a separate part for like getting involved and you can just join Reach as well. Yep, so that's a great way to hear when Reach will be available more broadly um, and to learn more about what's going on. We send out updates occasionally to the group that signs up on the website around what we're doing, how we're scaling um, and uh, share stories and examples of, of what's going on with the company. Mm -hmm. And for any employers or schools that are interested, how could they be involved in Reach as well? The best way uh, for now is just email info at reachpathways.com. Um, and we, someone will reply and connect. Uh, we're really, we try to treat our companies and our colleges and our partners as co-design partners in terms of meeting what they need. Uh, so we welcome mm -hmm. those conversations. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really love the mission of Reach Pathways. I wish I could have an exposure to it because that's pretty cool. Uh, I honestly, like when you said that most people are on video games nowadays, I knew people out there like my brother <laughs> was on that and he was not thinking about careers until too late. So this would have been perfect for him. Awesome. And those of us like myself who didn't play video games because I was busy doing school would have loved to like <laughs> have something like this too. Yeah. That um, felt a little bit more fun. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Do you have thank any you last so words for the audience? Uh, no, thank you so much for your time and for the opportunity. Um, I, you know, as I said, I'm a huge introvert. So like, I'm, I'm normally like pushing my co-CEO to do these things and not me. So, <laughs> so just thank you for kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone and giving me the opportunity to chat with you. Of course, always love to support other introverted founders. 